Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. You guys have to stay safe because, you see, we are like literally in danger in Gaza. You see, this is where we live. Explosions and everything. And I don't can't believe that we're actually living explosions. When I was born... First, one year old, I only hear explosions. I never hear happiness. You see, we are in Eid, we are in Eid fitness, and I don't even hear any happiness. Kids are dying. Is this an Eid too? Is this an Eid? Kids dying? I can't believe it. I can't believe the all fires even do the stops. Like, they have their happy Christmas and Halloween and I don't know what else, but they live happily and we live, we live like, we live like horribly. We live in explosions. I, I can't understand them. Why would you, do, why, why do you do this to us? Out of the mouths of babes. In fact, 55 children like her have been massacred by the latest in American-supplied military aircraft, dropping bombs and firing missiles. Not uh, homemade rockets, which ineffectually rise into the sky, often fall down on the people who fired them. Not ineffectual homemade fireworks that get sent over the wire from the imprisoned people of the Gaza Strip, but the very most up-to-date and devastating military hardware has killed almost 200 people over a few days in the Gaza Strip. And this, of course, is erupting every year or so in this most horrific way. It's often said that where there is no justice, there cannot be peace. I would like to reverse that. If there is justice, there can be peace. There must be peace. For if there is no peace in the Terra Santa, in the Holy Land, holy to Jews, Muslims, and Christians, there can be no peace in the Middle East. There can be no peace in the world. If there is no justice, there cannot be peace. But if there is justice, there will be peace, must be peace. That's the message that I want to impart. The horrific scenes uh, which have moved millions of people around the world, though not everyone. I'm seeing on social media the traditional knee-jerk response blaming the people of Gaza for the fact that for 10 whole years, they have been imprisoned in the biggest prison in the world. I'm grateful to the former British Prime Minister, David Cameron, for that description, from which there is no entry. 
There is no exit. There are no hiding places. There are no bomb shelters. There is nothing except in the most densely populated piece of land on the earth, a killing field. A killing field in which you can die quietly from starvation, from poisoned water, from no electricity, uh, from no medicine. You can die silently with no one paying the blindest bit of attention. Or you die periodically under this massive bombardment of the world's most powerful airplanes supplied direct via the largesse of the United States taxpayer to the Israeli armed forces. That's the reality of it. I hear people saying, why are the Palestinians firing rockets from residential areas? There are only residential areas in Gaza. There are no mountains. There are no fields. There's just two million people living there on your screen. If you're watching us, you can see it. No hiding place. No one can escape this. It's shooting fish in a barrel, except they're not fish. They're human beings, emaciated, undernourished, people who have nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And I so wish that people would pay more attention. The chronology of this is clear. I see people saying uh, that uh, these airstrikes are in response to Palestinian resistance uh, rockets, but they're not. The first airstrike happened before a single rocket had been fired. So by your own logic, what are the Palestinians supposed to do? If you say, Israel, what else can they do but bomb and missile uh, these ghettos and camps? Because the Palestinians fired at them, now that you know, and it's easily found, don't hide behind the ignorance that the first airstrikes preceded a single rocket going into the sky. By your own logic, what are the Palestinians supposed to do? But of course, this didn't start three days ago or three years ago or three decades ago or five decades ago. This has been going on for well over 50 years. The people that are in Gaza now don't come from Gaza. They are almost all of them refugees in Gaza, surrounded by the barbed wire, through which they can see the very lands that used to be theirs, through which they can see the trees being picked by others that used to be theirs through which they can see shining cities arising on the ruins of the villages that they used to live in. It's a definition of hell, really. You're a refugee inside your own country and you can see the land and the house and the gardens that used to be yours. This is the truth of it. You can hide behind your ignorance if you like, but in the end, 
you will be shown to be deliberately evading this reality. Now, prior to the airstrikes, uh, there were attacks inside the Al-Aqsa Mosque, one of the holiest shrines in Islam, just 50 yards from the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, tended lovingly by a, Jew, a, a, a Muslim family known to me, and in which a century ago, Jews and Christians and Muslims busied around in those thoroughfares, living as neighbors, living as friends. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus was laid, is 50 yards from the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which was invaded by hundreds of armed so-called settlers, gangsters, who set upon the people praying. All of this was preceded by the attempt to ethnically cleanse East Jerusalem, which legally, legally, can I spell that out in big capital letters to you, is legally occupied, illegally occupied territory. Apparently protected by international law from the depredations of illegal settlers, but not, in fact, protected at all. The British government and virtually every government in the world recognizes East Jerusalem as illegally occupied territory. Formally demands of the withdrawal of Israeli military forces from East Jerusalem. One of the districts of East Jerusalem is the Sheikh Jarrah district, which I know very well. The Palestinians in it are being ethnically cleansed. Their houses are being knocked down to make way for more illegal settlement activity. If you go back further, and we could keep on going back further, uh, this land was Palestinian land. All of it was Palestinian land. When Mr. Balfour, on behalf of one people, promised to a second people, the land of a third people, uh, the Jewish population in Palestine was minuscule. A few percents of the whole and that's the origin of all of this. Now, of course, the scourge of anti-Semitism intrudes its ugly head here. Anti-Semitism, which systematically, industrially massacred and attempted to entirely genocide every Jew in the world and succeeded in extirpating six million Jewish souls. Young children, just like that girl, young babies, just like my own, were industrially murdered by European Christian fascism in Germany, in Poland, and in the Nazi-occupied territories, the Local population of anti-Semites sometimes didn't even wait for the SS to arrive, but packed the Jews onto the trains that ended in the camps and in the gas chambers. But the Palestinian people had nothing to do with that. They are also the victims of that Holocaust 
capital H. They are paying the price for Hitler fascism, for Italian fascism, for Japanese fascism, Chinese fascism. They are paying the price for the great crime that was committed against the peoples of occupied Europe, preeminently amongst them European Jewry. The Palestinians are now, this minute, paying that price. Their blood is running in the streets of this prison camp called Gaza. Now today I spoke in Whitehall opposite Downing Street uh, to a crowd of people and I made this point. That some of the finest, clearest and most courageous voices speaking out against this massacre in Gaza, speaking out for justice in Palestine, are themselves Jewish, British Jews, American Jews, and Israeli Jews. Speaking out against it because they believe, and they are surely right, uh, that this behavior by Netanyahu, desperate to stay out of prison, desperate to create as much murder and mayhem and turmoil as he can in order to stay in office, in order to avoid going behind bars himself in an Israeli prison. Got to hand it to the Israelis. They've sent more former prime ministers, former presidents to prison than any other country in the world. But look at the mayhem that has been unleashed. And look at the bravery and clarity with which Jews in Israel, America, the United States and around the world are denouncing this mass murder by Netanyahu. Look at it and salute it. That's what I did today in Whitehall. The film of my speech is available. And what I said was cheered to the rafters. Of course, the supporters uh, of Netanyahu would like to divert your attention to one or two carfuls of revolting, disgusting anti-Semites who were in a car on their way, they say, to the rally that I addressed. The police, I'm glad to say, have now located the cars and are looking for the occupants. It won't take them long. I hope they apprehend them. I hope that they are ruthlessly prosecuted and rigorously punished for the disgusting anti-Semitic comments that they were making from their loud hailer. Apparently, according to the Twitter feed that I have seen, with revolting and disgusting and violent threats. As regular viewers and listeners know, there is no time or space for anti-Semitism here on the mother of all talk shows. They are our enemies and we ruthlessly root them out whenever they show their ugly faces. I should say that anti-Semitism exists in Britain, on the right and on the left amongst Christians and amongst Muslims. It exists. Five years ago, the Fusilier, who was brutally murdered, dearly 
We remember you. Five years ago, murdered by Islamist fanatics in broad daylight on the streets of London. We will have no truck with anti-Semitism, with extremism of any kind. We will fight it. But some of us are capable of walking in a straight line and chewing gum at the same time. Some of us are able and willing and will never stop as long as we have breath denouncing any and all crimes of extremism, of sectarianism, will denounce and oppose all hatred, whether racial or religious or any other kind. We just believe that in order to get peace, you have to have justice. And that's what this show is all about. Now, I've got a long list of places that you can watch as well as listen. Of course, listeners are just as valuable to us as viewers. We're not vain or anything. We like to think that as many people are listening as are watching. But if you are watching, here's where you can do it. Moats TV Twitter, Moats TV Facebook, Twitch on RT International's YouTube and RT International's Facebook, on RT UK's YouTube and RT UK's Facebook, on RT UK's Twitter, and on George Galloway Facebook, George Galloway YouTube, George Galloway Twitter, and on FM in the Washington DC area of the United States, 105.5 FM there and right across the United States on AM, out of Maryland. And the monologue is streamed as usual on Instagram. And thousands, of course, are listening on our good friends, sputniknews.com. Download their app, why don't you? Join the growing number of people studying at the Open University of the Airways. Gideon Levy is the finest of Israeli journalists and authors and commentators. His work is extensively followed and read in Israel and indeed around the world. He's the most famous Israeli journalist of them all and the best one. And it's an honor, as always, to remake his acquaintance. Gideon, thank you for joining us on this uh, dreadful uh, occasion. God knows who's dying as we speak. I wonder if you would describe to the audience what the atmosphere is like in Israel in the midst of this carnage. But George, it's always an honor for me to be in your show, I must say. Thank you, sir. One of the very few courageous shows who says the truth, who fights for the truth, who, which fights also for justice. Thank you. Now, there is this unbelievable gap between what's going on in Israel and what's going on right now when we talk in Gaza. I must remind you, George, that if I would go now freely with my car from my home in Tel Aviv to Gaza, it would take me like one hour, one hour and 15. That's the whole distance. 
And here in Tel Aviv, life is almost normal. I don't want to say it's normal because we went through many sirens in the last days. But finally, it's almost normal. While one an hour distance from here, it is really a nightmare. I get so many videos from Gaza, which I never saw before, never saw before. Dead bodies of children, really massacres. It's, it's unbelievable, and we know nothing about it. Gideon. Israel is ignoring it, by the way. If you ask most of the Israelis, they are not exposed to those images. They know nothing. They don't want to know anything. Gideon, was I right in ascribing this latest frenzy in part to the travails of the Prime Minister Netanyahu? I tell you, George, yes and no, because both of us are old enough to remember that those things happened before Netanyahu, and unfortunately will happen after Netanyahu. So yes, Netanyahu carries a lot of responsibility about it, but I wouldn't put it only on Netanyahu's uh, policies, because this is Israel, it's not Netanyahu, it is Israel. That's the brutal policy of Israel. And if you go backwards, you see that almost all Israeli prime ministers did the same. So to put it only on Netanyahu is in a way to make our life easier because once we'll get rid of Netanyahu, things will become better. No, they will not become better. What's the aim of this? It cannot be. Uh, this is not an era in which uh, the, uh, the complete destruction of every Palestinian in Gaza uh, can be achieved if that was the goal uh, of those who are carrying out this crime. Uh, so what is the aim? What is the end game? First of all, nobody knows what is the end game because there is no end game. As you remember, it was Henry Kissinger who said once that Israel does not have a foreign policy. Everything is domestic policy. You can say the same about the defense policy of Israel. By the end of the day, it is about showing the Israelis that here we have beaten them, we have humiliated them, we are the heroes. This is the end game in a way. Yes, there is a problem with Hamas. Israel faces a problem with Hamas. I don't want to ignore it. But Israel never tried an alternative way but living on the sword, but using its power with a ruthless way, really, without any borders. And the result you can see in the streets of Gaza, tens of children, tens of children are dead right now. Hundreds of thousands of people are looking not the first time in their life, maybe second, third time in their life for a place to hide, totally helpless. It's, it's heartbreaking. We are uh, also, also, sadly, uh, both old enough uh, to remember uh, the period in which Hamas did not exist. And the 
lives of the people in Gaza and under occupation and in the camps in the countries alongside Israel uh, were not very much uh, better. So uh, whilst I'm myself, because I'm not a supporter of uh, Islamism, uh, I'm not a supporter of Hamas, but the uh, it's an alibi to some extent, isn't it, that some people reach for uh, to uh, allocate the guilt in this picture to Hamas. Hamas is the best gift that Israel could expect. And therefore, Netanyahu is doing anything possible to strengthen Hamas and to weaken the, the Palestinian Authority and the Fatah. Because would the PA, the Palestinian Authority, be stronger, Netanyahu and other Israelis would have been challenged. Why don't you go for an agreement? Why don't you negotiate with them? But that's exactly what Israel does not want to get into. Hamas is the best solution because nobody expects Hamas to be a partner for a dialogue, even though, by the way, George, I must tell you, I believe that even Hamas people are reasonable people, and I believe that we could talk to them, we should talk to them, and we could have gotten into a, at least an interim agreement with them. But in any case, you are right. Hamas is a gift for Israel. Another of the new characteristics of this particular episode, relatively new, uh, is the ugliness we have seen inside Israel itself in places like Haifa and Akka uh, and Jaffa. Uh, we have seen violence against the Arab citizens of Israel in the wake of these horrific events. <clears throat> yeah, the, the, this is really the new development which bothers the Israelis much more, I believe, than what's happening with Gaza, because this is in our direct backyard. I mean, Jaffa, as you remember, George, is like 10 minutes away from Tel Aviv. And, and this is inside Israel. And it's not only about the violence toward the Israeli-Palestinians, they also took some violent measures. It is almost on the eve of, of a civil war. We are not there, by all means not. But the threat is in the air. It can deteriorate into a civil war, and everyone here is very scared of it. Does anyone have an alternative political program uh, that is finding any kind of audience? Or, I mean, I saw Mr. Gantz, who was Mr. Netanyahu's opponent, uh, promising that Gaza will burn, making the point you made earlier that actually it's not all down to uh, any particular uh, venality of Netanyahu. Is anyone? I mean, once upon a time there was. I, when I lived in Shankin Street, uh, uh, near to Dizengoff Square, there were all kinds of people who had an alternative program for negotiation, for settlement. Have they all disappeared? Are you the last man standing? I'm not the last one, but there are very few who still believe in any kind of settlement with the Palestinians. 
There is no peace camping in Israel anymore. There is a very clear majority which supports the continuance of the occupation, which supports Jewish superiority. And I'm not talking about a majority of 60%. I'm talking about 90, 95% of the Jewish population in this country are speaking in the same voice and therefore the chances for any kind of settlement in the, in the short run are really nil, zero, don't exist. And I suppose, and they'd be correct if they uh, were making this assumption, uh, the neighboring Arab countries, indeed the Arab country, Arab countries in general, they, they, it turns out the Arabs have got a league. It's very much a minor league, but the Arab League has completely failed to rise to the occasion. Only Russia actually has tried to uh, make the Security Council intervene in this situation and demand a ceasefire. So there's no Arab factor, is there? Unfortunately not, but it's not new. The Palestinians are more lonely today than ever before. They really, I mean, I don't remember a stage in which nobody cares about their fate as today. Western Europe lost interest. I mean, it's all about lip services. We don't bother to speak about the United States who never cared about the Palestinian problem. And they are really left alone. The Arab world really betrayed them again and again. And, you know, from lip services. And even Russia, I must tell you, George, we have to realize that it's not time for condemnations anymore. It's not time for talkings anymore. Because Israel learned to ignore all of them. It's time for actions. And I don't see anyone anyone, including not Russia and for sure not the United States, is ready to take measures, is ready to take actions toward the Israeli aggression. And how is your work received? I mean, to many people watching, as well as intense admiration and respect, will be some kind of fear uh, for you, that you speak in this way, you write in this way. What space is available to you, Gideon? Look, I'm privileged enough to be a Jewish journalist in Israel. And that's a privilege in Israel because being Jewish and being Israeli means that I am a privileged part of the society. And therefore, I mean, there were times in which I even, as you remember, had bodyguards, mm -hmm. but it's not the case now. I feel very secure. I feel very free to raise my voice. Not that there are many platforms where I can do it, but in my newspaper, for example, in Aretz, I have a total freedom and support, not only freedom, but also support to raise my voice. But you know, it is such a lonely voice that it's almost meaningless. God bless you, Gideon Levy, and thank you again for your peerless wisdom here on the mother of all talk shows. Extraordinary interview that, I think. Uh, you can let me know what you thought of what Gideon Levy had to say. We've got a call on Gaza. 
from Rose in Philadelphia. Who could resist it? Rose, welcome to the show. I don't even know. I don't even know where to start. I'd like to begin by condemning the state of Israel for its murder, for its genocide, for its theft. And I would also like to condemn everybody complicit, uh, not only the West, who are, of course, the very first supporters of Israel, but the other Arab leaders who have joined them. And they all deserve a great, great punishment someday. Um, hopefully. Um, and of course, that's uh, Eid Mubarak to everybody watching, although it is not Eid Mubarak to the children of Gaza, as you described, uh, as we saw with the video of the young child, the girl. Uh, it's quite heartbreaking, her testimony. I have met girls like that before uh, at the end of previous savage bombardments, even more savage, actually, than this one so far has been, in which many, many thousands of people died. Uh, there's a staggering percentage of the dead uh, that uh, were children on this occasion, Indeed, on all uh, occasions, fully one third of the people who've been killed in the last six days are children. And yet it's still possible to find people who blame the victims rather than the perpetrators. Is it true in Philadelphia one, also? Yes, one, 100%. Although we did have a big demonstration in Philadelphia yesterday that I am proud to have attended. Um, and yes, the children of Gaza are seen as less worthy than the children of Israel. Yeah. Children of a lesser and their blood God. Blood is cheaper. Children yes. of a lesser God, One, whose blood is less uh, precious than others. Absolutely, absolutely. And also, it's in. Um, I just want to talk about some uh, other Palestinian protests going on around the world, even as far as. Romania and Serbia, although in France they have been violently suppressed, and in Italy, although they have gone forward. Uh, last week, the members of the Italian government got on this big fancy podium in Rome to show solidarity with Israel and the quote-unquote peace in Jerusalem. Well, they shouldn't be standing on a podium in Rome. They should be on their hands and knees in Gaza before the Palestinian mothers, fathers, widows, orphans, and beg, beg for their forgiveness, although they wouldn't deserve it, but they should be on their knees before them. I asked the, yeah. I asked the medical student, Noor, uh, let me ask you also, Rose. Um, sure. I, one of the reasons why this subject has always occupied a special place uh, in my work is because the United Kingdom is the author of this disaster for the reasons I adumbrated earlier. Yeah. But one of the reasons why it should be a matter of great importance in the United States is that now none of this could happen without the taxes, billions of dollars worth of taxes of the United States government and the endless diplomatic and political protection afforded by successive United States governments. How, uh, how do you feel about that? And how do you think Americans are feeling about it? Is there a change in the air, as Ariel Gold uh, implied earlier? 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There is definitely a change, I would say. There's definitely being um, a solidarity between, uh, among all the groups who fight for justice, of all the groups of people who have been violently impacted by the, by the imperialist uh, uh, way that the U.S. government and the Western European governments act, in that they loot, they, they murder people, they steal their lives, their futures, their dreams, and they do it because they want to loot the treasures of their land. In Palestine, the Holy Land, the number one holiest site on earth, it's, uh, it's dirt is the most blessed thing you can touch, that of the Holy Land. And that's why they want it. And it was the same reason that they went to Africa or Asia to, to steal from those people and to this day punish their descendants. That's what we see going on. Rose in Philadelphia, a very, very powerful call. Thank you very much for making it. Let me give out the numbers again. If you're in the UK and it's entirely free, it's 448081965522. And if you're in the US, it's plus one, 844-944-3344. Toll free, as they say in the United States. Absolutely free as we say here in the United Kingdom. Dan says, five years ago today, Fusilier Lee Rigby was laid to rest. His name must never be forgotten. Indeed, I mentioned it uh, earlier. Uh, for those who have forgotten or never knew, Lee Rigby was a Fusilier, a drummer boy, a young soldier uh, who was uh, driven down in the streets of South London in broad daylight, and I don't want to go into too many details, but butchered in plain sight uh, by two Islamist fanatic extremists who blamed the war on Iraq, uh, but in fact their hearts were filled with evil, and the evil murder of Lee Rigby should never be forgotten. Uh, Odnam says, we have a problem on Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. All news or videos regarding Palestine are automatically deleted. Some are edited and muted. And Shams says, all the streets leading to Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza have been bombed. And Al-Shifa Hospital is the largest and most important medical center in Gaza. 
ambulances cannot leave or enter it. This is a war crime. Indeed, one of many such war crimes. And Muds says, I'm not going to read the first part. God bless you, George Galloway, for shedding light and defending the oppressed. And Michael says, we need to let the American taxpayers know that their money is used to kill children and innocent people. James says, Netanyahu could stop it if he wanted. Over the years, he has had enough political experience to understand the situation. Yet his tactics are always the same, even though he knows they will not work. He must just hate Palestinians. And David says, how does apportioning blame stop the deaths? How does apportioning blame help resolve anything? Give me a call, David. I'd love to hear your uh, argument. Uh, you know the numbers. They're there on the screen. I do hope you'll call. Uh, Adnan says banks are to blame. Without banks, nobody would have money to buy weapons. And much, much more uh, where that uh, came from. Uh, but we have another call from Saiz in California on the subject of Gaza. Saiz, welcome to the show. Say your piece, my friend. Um, I was, I mean, I'm a big fan of yours. I've been watching you uh, for a long time. And I know you brought up this, that you visited Gaza when you were, uh, you know, an MP. Many times, so yeah. So what... Yeah, so uh, my question to you was like, what do you think is a resolution for this conflict that's been going on for like, I don't know, 60, 70 years since uh, Israel was formed, a basis on the United Nations and, and you know, Britain? Um, so is there like a concrete resolution where uh, lives can still be saved and not lost merely on the basis of you know, fighting for land, and I believe partly religion. Uh, so, yeah, so what is your... Well, uh, I, first of all, I, I don't think it is uh, really religion. It's about the land. It's about control and suzerainty over it. Uh, the solution will have to be found by the peoples of Israel and Palestine. No one else can uh, justifiably prescribe those I'm more concerned right now, this minute, in getting a ceasefire. Not because a ceasefire will solve the problem. It will only erupt later again. Uh, but I want to stay, stop the, the slaughter of children uh, of the same age as my own. I want to stop the blood from flowing. And I want people urgently then to begin the discussion you're asking me to have. I spent the best years of my life uh, as a comrade of President Arafat, God rest his soul. He persuaded me that the Oslo Agreement, uh, the two-state solution, uh, was uh, the way to go. But 30 years on, more than, uh, the Oslo Agreement is utterly bereft and destroyed. Uh, the land that the Palestinian state was to be created on, uh, has all gone. Uh, virtually every square mile of it has gone. It has been paved over uh, with illegal settlements and illegal highways, changing the demography and topography of the occupied territories, absolutely illegal. Under international law, you are expressly forbidden not to uh, you are forbidden from bringing in settlers into uh, occupied land. 
that has been seized in war, it's there in very large letters. It's completely illegal to bring settlers in to territory that is militarily occupied. It's absolutely illegal to change uh, the topography of the area by building so-called settlements, which are in fact large towns, uh, glittering and beautiful, uh, but disfiguring the land that has been stolen. Uh, so the two-state solution is dead. My own view, it's not the view of RT, it's not the view of Sputnik, it's not the view of anybody except me, but as you ask me, uh, is that now the only solution is for one state of Israel-Palestine, Israel-Palestine, uh, where Jews, Muslims, and Christians live as equal citizens under the law, uh, a law which would have to guarantee the religious uh, uh, freedoms and character of the three monotheistic faiths which live there. Uh, I'm not amongst those uh, who uh, calls for, it would be preposterous and ridiculous anyway, but I don't call for it, I don't believe in it, uh, for the uh, Israelis to go home. First of all, uh, the territory they're in is their home. They were born there and they have acquired national rights by having been born there. They are not uh, people who've just arrived that uh, can go uh, back somewhere. I'm not amongst those who advocates that. Uh, and neither is there any possibility of that happening. So I believe uh, that the best solution would be uh, to give the vote uh, to the millions of Palestinians who are living under Israeli rule and have been living under Israeli rule from 1967. If you have millions of people living under your law since 1967, but you do not give them a vote and equal rights, uh, with the others, uh, then that's why you get called an apartheid state. Uh, there is no question. And Nelson Mandela said so. Archbishop Tutu said so. All of the experts about apartheid said so. That's why you get called an apartheid state. And no decent Israeli is comfortable with that appellation, but it is an absolute description of a society in which you have a different rights, less rights than others living under that state because of who you are. In the case of South Africa, because you're black. In the case of Israel, because you are not an Israeli, but you are living endlessly all of your life and all of the life that you can possibly imagine into the future, you'll be living under Israeli law, Israeli force, but you have no vote and you have no equal rights. So uh, that size is my view. Uh, you can take it or leave it and others uh, can uh, weigh in on the numbers that are on the screen periodically. Size in California. Thank you for your uh, call.
You know, and it's a very, thank you for, you know, I, I'm a big fan of your show, Gigi. Great, great debate. Great. And I'm Scottish. I'm very passionate about what's happening there, you know. I had a great mom. She was Scottish, Mary McLeod. She taught me well. She taught me well at everything, including golf. I love Scotland, and I love the Scottish food. It's great food. I said to Melania, you know, haggis. Look at that. What's more than more Scottish than that? Me. I am that haggis. She said, what, thin-skinned and full of crap? No. There's a poll. Who's to blame for the war in Gaza? A, Hamas. B, Netanyahu. C, the USA and Britain, the original author of that tragedy. You can vote on my Twitter feed. Now, amongst the bravest people I have ever met, Code Pink in the United States would definitely be up there. And amongst the bravest people in Code Pink is Ariel Gold, who is the national co-director of Code Pink. And if I'm lucky, she'll be joining me now from the United States. Ariel, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, tell us, what's the atmosphere in the United States about what's happening? Is there anybody who knows? Anybody who cares? Well, I say that we have two things going on simultaneously. On the one hand, we have President Biden and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken just towing the same old U.S. line. Israel has the right to defend itself. Um, Israel is not overreacting. We stand behind Israel. In this case, it would be hard to tell the difference between President Biden and the president right before him, Donald Trump. But on the other hand, we have really incredible, massive changes taking place. And the reason that they are taking place is thanks to the grassroots movement. It's thanks to people power. It's thanks to people showing up, organizing, collecting, um, connecting struggles and getting people out to the ballot box. And what we're seeing as a result of that are massive changes in Congress. Just a few years ago, uh, the P word in Congress, Palestine, was a giant no-no. And you would never hear members of Congress talking about Palestinian rights. And if you did, they were so far, few and far between and so isolated. Well, that's not the case right now. Yesterday, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, otherwise known as AOC, who is enormously popular in Congress as a progressive and is uh, really pushing the Democratic Party. Yesterday, she tweeted, apartheid states are not democracies. Plain and clear and to the point. We also have Ilhan Omar, who is a, a champion for foreign policy. Um, we have the first uh, female woman champion Palestinian member of Congress, Rashida Tlaib, who was just on the uh, floor of Congress in a special session talking about her Palestinian grandmother, her city. This is the first time that we've had a conversation taking place on the floor of Congress with multiple members talking about Palestinian rights. We even have 
war hawk, total war hawk and uh, APAC lover, uh, Senator Bob Menendez, who is the chairperson for the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee, acknowledging what's happening in Gaza and stating concern for the children killed. He then went on to support Israel. But the fact that he felt that he had to acknowledge that is um, monumental. And so we need to keep this momentum growing. It has been growing. Uh, these progressive members of Congress, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Cory Bush, Jamal Bowman, they're referred to as the squad. And the squad is growing. In the last election, we saw new members um, elected to the squad. So we're seeing this change from the bottom up. And while it hasn't reached the Biden administration yet, it is um, beginning this trend that is um, really exciting and hopeful. And what about the media, Ariel? Uh, are you making any kind of impact on the on the big networks? Uh, are they showing any difference from previous uh, would, attacks on Gaza? I would say it's a lot of the same. We have the basic. Uh, you know, what we've always seen, Israel is defending itself, talk about, you know, talk, lots of talk about the rockets coming out of Gaza, but very little talk about the uh, Israeli airstrikes and the children and babies that are being killed. Um, it's often framed as um, rockets from Gaza killed, you know, this person in, in Israel and then... Some Palestinians died without uh, acknowledging, first of all, the disproportion, the gross disproportion. Uh, but that is shifting slightly to it. Slower, it's slow, I'd say, but it's shifting slightly. We have seen Palestinian voices on mainstream media, uh, like Nora Erekat. Uh, we've seen people from Sheikh Jarrah uh, on CNN. So there is a, a gradual small shift taking place. And it's our job as activists as movement builders and as American citizens to show up and see that these changes build on each other and start to move more quickly. Now, you sound like you're at uh, a rally, but then you always are at rallies. You are perpetual motion. Where are you and what are you doing right now? Well, I'm in my hometown of Ithaca, New York. It's about four and a half hours north of New York City, a small college town. And I've been here uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I, I am out at a rally today. I'm out at a rally with my daughter. She's 18 years old and just getting ready for university. She'll be going to the University of Pittsburgh. And she was one of the speakers today at the rally for Palestine here in our hometown. And uh, this was such a, a proud moment for me because it's the young generation who are going to be bringing these new changes and building the momentum. And uh, we're seeing this across the country and across the world and, of course, on the ground in Palestine. God bless you all. Thank you very much, Ariel Gold, for joining us. And may everyone support Code Pink in the United States and uh, around the world. Now, uh, Yusuf Al-Hedu ought to be on the line. I first met him in Gaza, uh, but he's in exile now. But he is the head of uh, Gaza TV News.
Uh, Yusuf, are you there? George. Yusuf, welcome uh, to this packed show. I apologize for keeping you waiting. You have seen, as we all did, uh, the destruction of the television tower uh, containing Western journalists and outfits uh, like uh, Associated Press, uh, for which I myself uh, have worked for a long time. Uh, why, why is Israel targeting the media, do you think? Well, thank you first for having me. Um, as you may know, George, um, Israel justifies its uh, attacks uh, using excessive force against residential targets, res uh, civilian targets, including those uh, media offices, claiming that um, um, some uh, fighters might have been taken shelter or um, they might be housing uh, um, Hamas uh, facilities or intelligence offices, but uh, the journalists who were uh, evacuated, who work uh, at that tower um, for many years, they denied any activities for Palestinian uh, resistance movements. But as a matter of fact, um, the, the journalists they agree that Israel wants to silence uh, the Palestinian voices uh, to, to its immediate censorship because um, um, reporting from the ground, exposing Israeli crimes, uh, obviously uh, that um, embarrasses Israel. And uh, to document the bombardment of that tower live on air, that was kind of uh, um, very annoying to the Israelis. And the uh, literally uh, intentionally targeting that tower because it, because it houses uh, Al Jazeera, uh, Associated Press, uh, the, the two major uh, international media outlets. Um, they will tell you that they will not be silenced. Um, journalists will continue their work. Uh, the stories will be told and nothing will deter them from continuing their uh, media work. So it will have failed in that case. And with technology now, you don't need to be in a tower. Uh, you can broadcast from a van. If necessary, you can broadcast uh, from a dish in your own hand. So Israel brought all this international opprobrium, the uh, International Federation of Journalists, the National Union of Journalists here in Britain. Uh, people are outraged at the destruction of television stations because the clear intent is to deprive the rest of us from seeing what's actually happening there. But it's futile, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, you cannot... Uh it blocked the transmission of uh, um, satellite uh, signals. Uh, everybody is a citizen journalist nowadays in Gaza. They use smartphones. Uh, with the rise of the internet and social media, uh, stories are being told uh, from the ground instantly uh, without editorial policies. Uh, of course, it's a, a total uh, failure um, on part of uh, the Israeli government because um, they can tell, uh, they know for sure, that Palestinian journalists, although they, uh, um, you know, are not deterred, they will never be silenced. Um, um, we've lost already um, a female journalist uh, colleague. Um, the Israeli government uh, keeps justifying its attacks, killing civilians. So far, 197 uh, Palestinians, mainly civilians, including uh, 54 children, have been killed in addition to over 1,200 people. And flattening these uh, uh, rise um, high towers um, that destroying the infrastructure um, without uh, warning even 
uh, many families were uh, killed inside their homes without uh, warning. Um, at the beginning of the offensive uh, a few days ago, the Israeli intelligence was giving uh, ultimatum five, ten minutes for people to, to evacuate. But now they just knock the houses um, while people are inside. So obviously the Israeli government tries to achieve uh, a quick victory uh, at the expense of the suffering of the Palestinian people. Um, the ongoing uh, atrocities and aggression against the Palestinians, obviously, um, it is ongoing because of the blind, um, because of the silence of the international community. Uh, we know that uh, Israel enjoys a culture of impunity. Uh, it has a green light to go on. And um, the condemnation, it's empty talk. It's not going to stop Israel until uh, Israel is hold to, to hold to, to an account. Yusuf Al-Halud, thank you for joining us uh, all too briefly. Let's take a call from Alaska. Good morning again, George. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I hope you are well. By the grace of, of God, I am. Thank you. I'm very glad to hear that. Yes, what I, what I wanted to bring up is rather large in scope, but begins with um, a, a group of nations, but starting with Israel and the United States, and how they they managed to put a rocket base in on Kodiak Island that was determined for peaceful purposes, period. And that would be it. And in the ensuing years, it's come about that Israel is testing their rockets with Raytheon now. And their, uh, their rockets being used for warfare and expressly, unfortunately, on so many levels, being tried out on the Palestinians first in many cases. But what ties this in to the third country is Germany, which out of a sense of guilt that has gone on for way too long, has given Israel nuclear missile capable sub capable submarines over the past 10 years, and now they have six of them, and all of a sudden this comes full circle back to Alaska even, and I'm, I'm very distressed by this. I am much more worried about Israel with nuclear weapons than I am with China or Russia or anybody. I just think it's a wild card that we've suddenly got to contend with, but it generally goes unspoken. Yes, it does. Indeed, uh, the IAEA has never asked to inspect uh, the, uh, the Israeli nuclear weapons base uh, in, the, in the desert, uh, which the brave Israeli whistleblower Mordechai Venunu told us about more than 30 years ago. And still they have not asked to see underneath the sand of the Negev, the very place where Israel holds more than 200 nuclear weapons. Uh, afraid you should be. Thanks uh, very much, David, for the call. Let's stay in the United States, go to Virginia and talk to Nasir in Virginia. Go ahead, Nasir. Uh, Salaam alaikum, George. How are alaykum you? Salaam. Nice to hear from you. Go ahead. I'm uh, number one, a very huge fan, especially uh, after watching the uh, the Senate hearings, which was I think it's 13 years ago. But I watch it once in a while just to reset and uh, get inspired by uh, the, the words that were said. But I guess uh, it's a six zero six zero six zero match. And so uh, thank you so much for uh, having that you. discussion. Thank but, you so much. But uh, it, I, I just want to level set about Israel. Just take a broader kind of perspective on why is it that between 10 
and I think 20 million Jews on this planet um, have this entitlement to have their own homeland. If every enclave of 10 or 20 million people wake up one day and say, you know what, we deserve our own homeland, it'd be a thousand, I don't know how many countries, you have 7 billion people on this planet. And why is it that this small population that identifies themselves as Jewish, quote unquote, more like Zionists, but, and we won't get into the distinction here yet because I'm sure uh, we don't want to. No, it's not that. Time, well, well, we can it? do that anytime, but the hour yeah. is late and uh, that will, uh, that will definitely cut short how deep we can get into that. But go on, finish sure, your sure. point. And, I, and the, so that, that's, that's point number one. My point number two for a solution is, why don't we just rename Palestine and Israel to Musaland? As you know, uh, Musa is a word for um, Prophet Moses. And if we all just say, okay, the laws of Prophet Moses are going to apply to this land equally and to all, then neither Christian nor Jew nor Muslim would have a problem with that. But the problem is that no one wants to really do that, right? They, they have their own agenda, and it's about the money. And as you say, it's not about the prophets, Musa. It's about the prophets with the dollar sign or the... <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> right? and of course, uh, I know Israel exceedingly well. I've spent a lot of time there. I'm here to tell you that the great majority of Israeli citizens never go to Jerusalem. It's far too religious uh, for them there, too much religious extremism for them there. They, it's no accident that they prefer Tel Aviv, they prefer the beach, they prefer the Mediterranean cafe uh, lifestyle. Uh, the, the, there are not that many as a percentage of the whole Israeli population, uh, people demanding uh, the right to a Musa land. Uh, they'd run a mile, a lot of them, if forced to uh, follow uh, the uh, teachings uh, of Moses. Um, right. Every uh, religion cannot have self-determination because, of course, you can convert to a religion. Uh, you could not possibly have Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons uh, demanding the right to a state. Uh, but, there are, yeah. but there are uh, two exceptional issues uh, here that must be raised. First of all, mm -hmm. Israel already exists. So uh, arguments about whether it ought to have existed are otios mm -hmm. because it exists. It's a powerful state. It's a nuclear armed state. It's a state with the support of uh, almost every government in the world. So it's going to continue to exist. Therefore, what uh, now needs to happen, therefore, is a discussion about what kind of state uh, this is to be. And that's why I advance the argument for a democratic state uh, of Israel-Palestine, uh, which uh, in which the three religions... Uh, coexist. They might hate each other uh, for a very long time, but then there's a lot of white people in South Africa hate the black uh, majority government there. Uh, there's a lot of people on the black nationalist side who hate the uh, fact that uh, so many white people in South Africa are still uh, the most prosperous with the most land and so on. That might be true, uh, but I can think of no other way in which this matter can be resolved other than on the basis of one man, one woman, one vote of all three of the monotheistic faiths there. Thank you, Nasir, for that call. Andrew is in Newcastle. 
but on the same subject. Andrew, welcome. Hi, hi George. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Um, so uh, my, my question is a bit more a bit more broad. Um, it's not particularly connected to the conflict at the moment, but okay. more on the on the elections that, that were postponed recently. Um, I was following it relatively closely and have been looking at leadership candidates for a while, and not just the, the sort of the the Mahmoud Abbas and the um, and the general candidates on the ballot paper, but more at some of the the different candidates like Marwan Baghouti, um, Ashwan Ashwari, possibly even Munab Al Mazri if he was to stand. Um, I wanted to say I know you you've had quite a few meetings with various different people in um in Palestine, your Hamas, Fatah. Um, who would you vote for? Who would you propose as a as a leadership candidate uh, for whether it was be Fatah or whether it was be, be, be for the PLO? And also, how would you look to try and engage someone like Luna Mavazri, who didn't particularly want to stand for election, and perhaps get someone a bit more mainstream to to the front of the ballot paper? Well, uh, that would be a gross intrusion uh, for me on this platform yeah. to uh, intervene uh, in someone else's election uh -huh. in that way. But I do think I'm qualified to say and have a right to say someone who's given uh, more than 50 years of my life to this cause uh, that uh, the PLO isn't working. The Palestine National Authority current leadership isn't working. And uh, with all my heart, I appeal uh, to the people in Fatah to renew themselves. Uh, to find a new leadership, uh, a younger and fresher leadership, uh, because uh, it's abundantly clear uh, that the national authority and the uh, ruling party in it uh, and the uh, PLO representing all Palestinians outside as well as inside isn't working and needs to if the tremendous imbalance in power is to be uh, addressed. But thanks, uh, Andrew, for a very intelligent call. I'm very grateful for it. Kenny is in Rockville in Maryland, maybe the last caller. Go ahead, Kenny. Hey, thank you. You're I welcome. Go ahead, go first, ahead. First time, I just want to say shout out. I have to do this as an American. Shout out to my good friend, Dante, over there in Ukraine, serving the cause of a good fight. Um, I just wanted to talk about this uh, Israel-Palestine as an American. Yeah. Um, let me just say, I first of all, in the news, you don't know really anything other than Israel is being attacked. Um, and as a person, uh, a human on this planet, I have to say that obviously what is happening in the Israel-Palestine is, a, as an American, I can say it's almost the, the same problem that the African-American community wants to complain about with the establishment in whatever regard. Cops, the man, the government, in the same regard. It's not as extreme. No, well, it's, uh, I mean, at least uh, African-Americans have got a vote. Uh, they are often I, suppressed. Well, exactly. They are, they are often, exactly. They are the often uh, gerrymandered and suppressed, but they do in the end have the right to vote. Uh, the millions of Palestinians living since 1967 oh, yes. under Israeli oh, occupation yes. have no right to vote. 
Exactly. And that's what I feel Americans have to understand is that this the same plight that they want to complain about in their own country is a thousand times worse than the plight that they're complaining that other people are legitimately complaining about in their own country. And I feel like the Americans have this this depth perception feeling as to it as it's not the same because it's, but it is, but it's different. And I really wish Americans would understand the similarities and not be so in, and, and so cast by the, you know, the Disneyland of it. If, if that makes sense, George. Yeah, uh, it does. And I wish that we had more time Uh, to tease out some of the issues that you've raised. Uh, I'm sure that this story is going to run and run, whatever happens in the course of the next seven days. And I uh, have no reason at all to believe uh, that the killing is going to stop anytime soon. But the show has to stop because we have reached the end of our time. It's been a quite a remarkable show. It's been the mother of all talk shows, at least from my standpoint, and I hope from yours. If you agree, then please spread the word and come back here next week at the same time in the same place. You can watch us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube. You can listen to us on Sputnik News and you can listen to us, may have done so. Oh my goodness, it's our 100th edition. We've got, got, we've got a birthday cake, got 100 editions. I'm not eating this, but it says Moats 100. It's been marvelous. The airwaves, this Savannah is a rigid, talk to me of fact and fiction. As vicious as the Twitter sphere where the slightest misjudgment can spell being cancelled. One species rules over the airwaves through its ability to adapt and survive in even the harshest environments. The George Galloway. top cat in these parts, it is mostly active on Sunday evenings in Britain and mid-afternoon in the United States. It seldom roars during the day. Most notable for its wide variety of headdress, it protects these parts from the mainstream media. You can catch this fine specimen on the mother of all talk shows. Don't pick a fight with it. They've been known to bite back. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm -hmm. 